Welcome to another episode of Concept Company. On this show, we dive in deep with current and aspiring entrepreneurs to learn about their pain points, things they wish they knew before they started, and their successes to date. This week, we're excited to have Susie Roos, co-founder of Tailhand, a professional customizable truck accessory that transforms your tailgate into a highly versatile portable workstation. Susie has been a leader in the healthcare industry for close to 15 years, establishing and developing clinical regulatory compliance programs for traditional healthcare organizations and innovative healthcare technology companies. Her expertise in relationship building, partner relations, organization management, and operations contributes to Tailhand's success. Susie, thank you so much for joining us today. You're here in town for SEMA, which is so exciting, and I'm so glad I had the opportunity to sit down with you. Oh, me too. Thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Hey. Um, so your product, actually, I just found out, a little birdie told me, won um, the most incredible award at SEMA. You guys um, were named new product of the year for light truck by SEMA's truck off-road alliance, Tora. Yes. I like, I'm shocked about it still. We just found out last night and so exciting. That's incredible. Is that, this is your first year actually showing, right? Cause it's a new product. It is. And actually the only reason we're here this year is because we were a semifinalist for the launch pad of oh, SEMA. Wow. Okay. So we already came in having kind of this exciting buzz around us, and um, this award was just kind of cherry on top. It was really exciting. So it's been it's been overwhelming in a really good way. Wow, I can only imagine. So how did you get even that that initial? Yeah, to get into the launch pad. Yeah. Well, um, we <laughs> randomly saw just information about it. And we thought, well, wouldn't that be funny? Let's just throw our hat in the ring. Like, I'm sure we'll do that. We'll never hear from it, but like, it'd be fun. It's good for us to kind of dial in our message and start putting it out there and sent it in and never thought we'd hear. And then we actually, uh, we were on site for our photo shoot doing all of our lifestyle photos for the product. And we got the call from Launchpad that we were a semifinalist. And in July, we went out and did kind of the, the competition to the final five. And we made it to the top 10. Wow. Yep. And then um, as part of that, got to come to the show this year. Oh, my gosh. This is incredible. Yeah. yeah. I So for those of you who haven't been to SEMA, it is the most incredible industry-specific um, automotive yeah. conference literally in the entire world. I've been going for the last few years. And like every single time I walk into the show, I'm taken away. I'm set back. And I'm just yeah. like, wow, this is incredible. And what's interesting about it is it's very industry specific. So they're very, very particular about the type of people that they let into the show and mm -hmm. if they're actually involved in the space in the industry. So it's hard to get in, but like once you're in that niche, the opportunities that are there, the, the other brands that are there, it's yeah. like breathtaking. It's unbelievable. I don't, I don't have a ton of experience with trade shows. And I think I just stepped into like, 
<laughs> the big boys. You did. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not like puddle jump. I went right for the big stuff. It's amazing here. Yeah. That, oh gosh. I can only imagine like your first experience stepping into that and getting to do it at the conference center here in Vegas, which is just like breathtaking. You walk in and you're like, I'm at the Disneyland for. Oh my gosh. <laughs> totally. And our booth is like right next to Ford. Wow. So it's like, wow. Yeah. I mean, this is for real. This is like big, big boys. Right. It's like, pinch me. Am I dreaming? Yeah. Like, is this actually happening? Yeah, totally. That's incredible. So <laughs> you actually personally have a really interesting story. You have your MBA in healthcare management. What got you into this space? Yeah, it's not, not a super linear connection, is it? I've, I've worked in healthcare my entire career um, and in healthcare leadership, but my husband and I actually kind of stumbled across this product just through sheer experience. So we have property up in northern Wisconsin that we used to go up to every single weekend and we'd work and play and manage the property. And Michael was up there by himself one weekend and he was working off the the tailgate of a pickup truck, which we do all the time. And he was trying to cut logs with a chainsaw off the tailgate, which sounds like a terrible idea, but you'd be amazed every time we tell this story. People are like, yeah, yeah, I do that too. That's exactly what I do. Um, Everything slipped. The chainsaw like him in the leg. Oh man. I know. And luckily got caught up in the fabric of his jeans and kept it from injuring him. But he got home that night and he's like, I have to find something that I can install on the truck so I can keep working by myself because I'm not going to stop working. Yeah. Um, and we couldn't find anything at all. So we both just started kind of talking about it. And every time we were up there, we would find new uses for how we would do it. And it was constantly like, Oh, if only we had a tail hand. Yeah. Um, so, and then kind of put it on the shelf for a few years while we were busy with other stuff. And then when COVID came around and we kind of found ourselves with a little bit more time on our hands, um, we said, you know what, let's do it. So that's what transitioned me from healthcare into the truck industry (laughs) (laughs) was just necessity really. Yeah. And those oops scenarios, like so many businesses over the years of running my marketing agency and starting action mavens, like we hear so many instances where people just kind of stumbled upon this problem that they want to solve. One of the most famous examples that I love to bring up just because she's like my idol is Sarah Blakely and her Spanx. Totally. And she was just like, I just really wanted a solution. And I was determined to make a solution for it. And I think that that's how some of the best products in the world come to life. Um, and it's so hard because so many people do have those brilliant ideas and then they never have the time. So yes. having the opportunity to have a little extra time and then actually make this come to fruition is so incredible. I know it's terrible circumstances, but and like, you know what? It's silver lining. Yeah. yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so going from that idea, that concept to an actual product, what what was that experience like? Because I know so many people also struggle with that process of like, OK, great. I can't make it really myself for full production. Um, so what do I do now? How did you guys work through that? Yeah, it, it was a huge learning curve because neither of us have product and manufacturing background. That's not what we've grown up doing. Um, so I, it was really just starting with being really, really honest about the fact that we had no experience in that and that we needed partners that knew how to do that. So, um, really just identifying that we needed a product engineer on our team to help us actually like take what we had written on a napkin and like the sketches that we had and make that something that could actually be 
usable and withstand, you know, all the wear and tear it's going to get and that people could stand on it and it would have bend and all those things that we didn't know. Um, so bringing somebody on board to do that was the first step. And then we kind of just like lucked out finding an amazing manufacturing partner um, who has just kind of stepped up and been totally there to support us. And they work directly with us and with our product engineer to kind of, you know, work on here's what you were thinking, but if we do this, we're going to save on cost of, you know, the materials or this is going to make it stronger. And so it's been this great partnership with these two experts and we kind of just step back and let them have those conversations. <laughs> smart. They're the experts. Yeah. You know? That's the smart way yeah. to do it. How did you find these people? So we actually used kind of an interesting, it, when I say it, I'm going to feel kind of like we're stalking people because that's what it seems like. <laughs> but, um, so we actually connected with um, a friend of ours, um, Chris Joyce, who runs Gusher.co. Okay. Um, so he has a really interesting platform online that the whole purpose is meant to just provide entrepreneurs with a method for bringing their concept to life without having to spend money that they might not have. So what we did was worked with him to start by first just identifying the gaps that we had. Like what between the two of us can we not cover? What are we not expert in but we know we're going to need? Um, so we identified the roles that we needed on the team. So we had product engineers and business development and social media and digital marketing and industrial design and CFO. And mm -hmm. so like we just identified this handful of people that we knew we needed um, and what we ended up doing was really leveraging LinkedIn. So, okay. I mean, we just searched and spent hours and hours looking for people with a certain kind of background and expertise that we needed who were interested and responded to messages that we sent out about working with kind of an equity share basis rather than salaried. Nice. Um, and just talked to a ton of people until we found the right people who had that knowledge, had that expertise, but were also super excited about the idea that we and they had some skin in the game and like they wanted to see it through from start to finish and wanted to like make something happen. So that's how we built our team. And we have a team of 10 now. So. That's incredible. So one of the biggest things that we talk about with Action Mavens and one of the courses that we teach is building a winning team. And I think that the literal number one topic that almost always gets brought up in these podcasts and when talking with entrepreneurs is they're too scared to take that leap to build a team. They know they need to build a team. They know they need to rely on other people. They know that they might not be the best at all these things, but they try to juggle 15 balls at once mm -hmm. um, and they end up dropping like 14 of them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but they're too scared to have the huge overhead and take out really big loans and have to payroll people and everything else that's involved. So the way that you guys did it is just so incredible. And so many people get so nervous and they don't want to let go of the equity stake in their company. Yeah. They don't want to give away a percentage of sales. They don't want to share. Yeah. Um, and the thing that that we've found at least is just like what you shared is they have sweat in the game. So they, they're more compelled to make you win than if they were just getting an hourly rate where they could be messing around on Facebook at the same time and doing whatever else and really not being invested. Cause essentially they're invested in the company at this point. Yeah. That's like exactly right is yeah. They, they just have a passion for it the way we do and they believe in it and they realize that if they put the effort into it, it's going to end up paying off for them. So it's kind of a win-win and everybody's in it for the same reasons. So, right. I mean, I think personally, I think 
the, the equity that we're giving up by bringing these people on is negligible compared to what we're getting in return. So it's it's 100% worth it for us to bring in people who are just brilliant and get it and they're excited about it. Yeah, and, and, and with that too, I feel like from at least from what we've seen, and you can touch on this a little bit more, is that they're so much more involved and more really willing to kind of push for what they believe in instead of waiting around for instructions. So they're, they also act with ownership. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Like we knew, we talked about this, that we, we don't need thought leaders. Like we don't need somebody just coming in as like a consultant who is going to kind of like suggest we do X, Y, and Z. We need people with the experience to know that stuff, but who also want to actually just act on it and do it and get in and roll their sleeves up and like just deliver on stuff. Cause I mean, I think any entrepreneur who's starting out knows that you just need stuff. You need content developed. You need things done. You need relationships built and you just can't have somebody who's just going to show up at a meeting once a week and just kind of talk about their philosophy and that's it. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and people will say, okay, well I have this advisor and I have that advisor and it's like, okay, so what action did you do this week? Oh, we sat around and we talked about it. I'm just like, okay, well, this is going to be problematic. So I think that it speaks volumes when I had, um, you know, learned about your company and dove in really deep into it. I think it speaks volumes for how quickly you guys have moved. Like I am blown away by how fast you've been able to get all of this done. Can you touch on that a little bit for me? Yeah. It kind of blows my mind when we think about this and say it out loud that we're 20 months in from literally a drawing on a napkin to being at SEMA, having just won best product of the year award. <laughs> um, 20 months. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I do think it is because we have this team of people that are super committed to it. They see the value in it. They can see the future of it. Um, and I think just us, like me and Michael, both being kind of like taking our ego out of it and saying it's kind of like the team and here it's the goal and we just need to move everybody ahead. And if that means us stepping back and like, you know, letting go of things that we might have strong feelings about, that's probably smart. No, it is. And I think that um, it even even with my marketing agency, sometimes depending on the particular type of client, the ego gets in the way and then they get in the way of their success because they don't want to try certain marketing platforms or marketing avenues, marketing tactics, and they get in their own way. And then finally, you know, a year goes by and they're like, okay, fine, we're ready to try this. And they try it. And we prove that, you know, the cost per acquisition is like so much cheaper (laughs) without getting too into it. Um, And, and that they should have listened from the beginning, but their egos get in the way. And I just, I see that with so many businesses. So I can't speak highly enough of, of your personalities to be able to recognize that and to be able to say, okay, you're your experts in your field, like run with it. And, and that's how you move fast. And we see, um, a lot of clients as well that, or, or businesses in general that will spend so much time. Let me, let me give an example for our listeners. So nobody hates me. Um, but let's say they want to get an email out. Like you, you formulate this email, you get this email, you get it ready. And, 
Um, there's businesses that'll say, okay, we've got to have this round table with the CEO of the company to get this email approved. And then it's the CEO that's wanting to rewrite the copy of the email who knows nothing about marketing and, um, and, and it gets held up and then a year goes by and the email's still not done. And you're just like, okay, or commercial needs to get done. And they get so in their own way that nothing ever happens and things move really slow. Yeah. So for all of our listeners here like this, I don't know if you're recognizing this, but this is a huge takeaway nugget um, firsthand hearing it from you that like giving that up with the right people, obviously, totally. you, you did your due diligence, you vetted them, you know that they were, you know, leaders in their space, you trust them um, enough to give up, you know, your company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. You do have to trust those people and trust that you made the right choice. Um, and it's interesting because what you just described, I totally can relate to. And I'm laughing because Mike, Michael is a marketing guy. He's been our marketing director for for longer than he'll want to admit. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he did such a great job. And I'm always so impressed with him that he really has zero ego, but that he doesn't even get mired down in the marketing stuff because he recognizes that his role in this company is the CEO. And that's different. So even though he does know marketing, he, he needs to let the people that we've brought on board to do it manage that. But it's so interesting because even at getting kind of caught up with that CEO, like them having to approve everything, what we've found is that what we can tend to do is because we're such a collaborative team and we work together so closely, sometimes we delay things because we want the whole team to have input on things. Yeah. And sometimes we just need to say, you know what, it's fine. Let's just trust the you know, the social media and digital marketing team to just make that decision and push it out. We don't need everybody's input on every single thing that we do. So, so we're still learning. I mean, it's not perfect. And we kind of take a step back and realize that we've started doing that and we need to stop doing that so much. <laughs> it, it gets really involved. Um, it, 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 there's so much to it. It's hard to not want your hands on everything. And it's definitely important to still have your hands on everything, but there's that like fine line of, okay, I'm not going to edit the email myself. Like, I'm just going to say, Hey, let's, yeah, you know, totally. Well, and the reality is it's like everybody has like the role that they were hired to do, but it doesn't mean that they don't also have opinions about stuff outside of that role. You right. know, like our product engineer has like some really like interesting thoughts about marketing and social media. So even though that's not what he's doing on the team, he still has some opinions about it and he's invested enough in the team and the product and the company to speak up and to voice that, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And to have such a tight knit team too, um, to where other people are contributing mm -hmm. helps with success as well. So again, like that fine line of not taking it too far. So things get delayed yes. like a year, but <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> still, you know, still being a little bit involved. Yeah. So what's something that I found interesting is you guys are doing pre-orders and I we talked about this a little bit before we jumped on the podcast, but I know so many people that are like, do we go the Kickstarter route? Do we do we do pre-orders? We're kind of scared to do pre-orders. I don't know. What led you guys down that path? Yeah, I, we talked so much about this as a team and kind of really spent some time evaluating what, what options there were and do we go the Kickstarter route or do we just wait for investment or do we, you know, what's the right way for us to go? We have just really tried to stay self-funded as much as possible. Um, so that was one of the reasons why we really wanted to go with a pre-production sale. I think the other one is just that we're experienced with it as like consumers ourselves. Michael is always looking for like some fun new thing that's out there. I think you've bought a couple of 
like really cool pre-sale things. So we were used to it as consumers, so it didn't feel scary to us. Um, and I think we felt like it was kind of a, I don't know, like really no downfall way to get feedback from potential customers and to hear what they have to say and see what kind of barriers there might be to them actually purchasing. So it kind of like there was no downside to it. So why not go for it and see what happens? Yeah. yeah. And what made you, because you guys are just, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. um, but you're just doing them directly on your website, right? That's you right. You didn't go the platform route. We didn't. And I think um, because we had an actual tangible product, uh, we were just uh, really, really hyper vigilant about the fact that even though we have patent pending on it and we've, we've done as much as we can to protect the concept and protect what we're doing, it really puts it out there. And we wanted to make sure that we had as much control over that as we could until we were ready to kind of go public at SEMA and like put it out there for the world to see. So that's why we just decided to stick with our website and see what we could do that way and just avoid the Kickstarter type platform. Well, and I think that the problem that we've seen at least over the years was we, um, I actually helped a product get launched on Kickstarter in like 2013 before I even started my marketing agency. And that was like the heat of those platforms, oh, right? Yeah. Back then it was like people were discovering stuff all the time and it was trusted and it was this great thing. And then the years went on and so many people diluted that space where you get a lot of product that products that never come to fruition and, right. um, you know, brands that are just doing money grabs and um, they're, the, it lost that sense of of quality and reliability and everything else. Right. Um, and then the discoverability factor of it being essentially a marketing platform to make sense of paying their fees went out the window too, because there was just so many products on there and people weren't hunting through it anymore. Right. And it kind of lost that marketing aspect. Yeah. And so to go direct, I'm just a really big fan of personally, um, especially when you have an incredible team that gets the word out there and then pair that with launching at SEMA, like you couldn't have had a better <laughs> strategy. Um, we had that strategy for that particular product I helped launch too, but it was for CES. So we're like, okay, we're launching pre-orders during CES and we're going to do this whole big thing and CES helped bring all of the awareness that we could have ever imagined and nice. um, it worked great, but yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's been, it's been great. I mean, I, I think we have such amazing engagement with people on social media, so we have those dialogues going. So we know if they haven't bought on the, on the site, we have a conversation with them. So we get feedback about why they might not have done that yet. So it's really made us a better company. And I think it it's already giving us an opportunity to like know our customers and actually know what they want and listen to what they want and do something about it. So I like, for example, we know we need an installation video. People want to see what it takes to install it because, you know, we're you're drilling into your vehicle. Yeah. I mean, it's like people want to know what that's going to look like before they do it. So we heard that. We know that that's something people want. So that's like high priority next on the list is to get that on the website so that people can see it and kind of trust what they're going to be looking at. Yeah. And I honestly, like for knowing how new of a company you are, mm -hmm. 20 months, yeah. <laughs> um, when I landed on your social media and I landed on, on your website, I was just like, okay, these guys know what they're doing. Like you can tell 
<laughs> you're doing, you're, you like hit all the boxes. You have a really trustworthy website. You're not using stock pictures. You have that professional photo shoot. You got the news yeah. um, during the photo shoot, right? <laughs> we did. So the stars were aligning and everything was coming, yeah. but you have this very, very professional, like we're taking this seriously brand um, online and to do that so quickly, just again, it speaks volumes of you guys as founders and of your team. Um, and then knowing and magically landing at SEMA is just like, I can't get over it. I keep bringing it up. Um, so tell me a little bit about like, what, what was it like starting this company? Because we teach classes on having to go through the whole checklist, right? You confirm your idea is viable. Um, you yeah. come up with the business name. You have an incredible, very, very strategic, um, <laughs> fun name, which I think is amazing. Thank you. So yeah, talk to me a little bit about that. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, gosh, it's scary is the first word that comes to mind, <laughs> like, but exhilarating at the same time. I mean, I, we talk about this all the time because I guess tail hand is kind of like our baby. You know how you only talk about your kids when they're together. We talk about tail hand all the time. Um, it's it's scary being the people that are starting it and like putting it out there in the world. And, you know, you feel this immense sense of responsibility to your team because you want it to succeed and you want to deliver for them and you know what they're putting into it. So it, it's always like this pressure. But at the same time, I think it's super helpful pressure because it kind of pushes you to just make decisions and go with your gut and follow through on things and be willing to make mistakes. And we always say our mantra at the team is just progress over perfection. It's never going to be perfect. You just got to go for it. And you've just got to trust people and move it forward. Um, so, I, I mean, that that's what comes to mind about what it felt like to start it. Um, at the same time, I think we always knew that it was it was a good solution. We knew that it was an awesome product. We knew people were going to get value out of it. Um, so we never doubted that. And we tried to throw that against the wall as much as we could. Like we put it out in front of influencers and people that we knew would give us really honest feedback and people who had no connection with us. So there was you know no bias in it. And we just kept getting confirmation and validation from people. So, you know, it's... You have to go for that. I mean, and that's scary. You have to try and pick apart every single hole in it because you don't want to do that after you've launched and yeah. after you've spent all this time and money and energy on it. So, I mean, that was really valuable, but I think we were just really, really lucky that we just kept getting validation. We knew that it was just a really, really great concept. So how did you come up with the name? Talk us through that. I... It's really funny. I don't remember that we had like, there was no big like naming session or like create a brainstorming session. It's like, I, I literally remember you and I, Michael and I were like standing out in a field next to our truck <laughs> talking about the concept. And one of us, it was probably Michael said, I think we should name it tail hand. Cause it's like an extra hand yeah. for your truck. Right. So on your tailgate, it should be tail hand. Yeah, of course. That's yeah, of course, that's the name. And that's what it's always been. We've never second guessed it. We've never even considered like, is that the right name for us? So it kind of just it just was it was tail hand. Always <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> that's 
amazing because yeah. I know so many people that struggle. They struggle so hard with the naming. Yes. And, you know, I, I had a client, sorry for all my listeners who've been following us this whole time and listen to me say the story before, but I had a client who didn't do the research and they ended up with a cease and desist letter and they had this like really generic, not so creative creative name and you guys like have the most creative name for your for your niche because you can have this a similar name not that you do but you can have a similar name in different niches and there's all these crazy rules and regulations right and um so we've seen that happen and then we've seen like brands literally for lack of a better way to say this hit their wall hit their head against the wall because they like can't come up with anything that's usable on social media they can't get the domain names they can't get it trademarked like they have problem after problem and so to hear that you guys just (laughs) serendipitously came up with the name and and everything that's so incredible I know I kind of feel a little guilty that (laughs) we didn't have to go through that it's meant to be right it was totally meant to be so I'll I'll take it (laughs) that was good for us but and then I remember I one of our friends who is in the business was like it don't ever have your name more than three syllables it needs to be two or three syllables and we were like that still works let's stick with it yeah we teach that too we We teach that too we're like keep it short keep it easy yes it's so important because it's memorable right it's memorable and you guys really do have a very memorable name which is amazing thank you yeah we really love it so we've got idea viability. We talked about the business name. Yep. Tell me a little bit about what the process was like because you um, registered for a patent, right? What was that experience we like? We did. I, you know, that was just something right from the start. We knew that we could not afford not to go that route. We had to make that a priority. Um, we, you know, I think one of the really, really valuable things about our team, in addition to obviously the expertise that they bring and how collaborative they are, is that because we spent so much time and energy searching for the right people who had that depth of experience, they all bring amazing networks to our team. So we have this expansive network and people have, you know, like they call in favors because they've worked with people for years and they've done, you know, they just have so many people that they can reach out to. So long story short, um, one of them, one of our team members um, connected us with a patent attorney who he had worked with before, knew was super solid, um, was really kind of innovative for a patent attorney and was willing to be really flexible with us in terms of like delayed payment and understood that we were a startup and that we really needed to protect our cash flow. And if there was any way we could kind of stretch that out a little bit it'd be helpful (laughs) so he was amazing and was super willing and I think the other reason he was willing to do that is he also he got it he saw the vision he saw the potential with tail hand and was willing to just kind of take the leap with us so um so we worked with him um I frankly I don't know if we could have done it if we were trying to do it alone so I'm a big proponent of using professionals for things like that like you just I mean how terrible would it be to get to the end of something and be ready to launch and like out there only to find out that you didn't do the process right um so we really appreciated having an expert who was doing it for us so that was helpful yeah and it moves (laughs) things faster like I'm sorry but if you're you know, running another company or you're working for someone and you're trying to do all of these puzzle pieces, there's so much that goes into starting a business and taking it from that concept to a true company. And 
20 months and you're here and you're in front of me and I'm just like, this is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things like when you're running the business, when it's your concept and your team, you can't do everything. Like you have to delegate or bring on partners or rely on people that you trust. Like you just can't do it all. Um, at, at least we can't, uh, maybe it's just us. No, it's <laughs> definitely <we> not. <laughs> you know, we value getting a good night's sleep. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to be working until 3am every morning because I've taken it all on. Cause I don't trust that other people can do it as well as I can. So right. I think you just, you have to be willing to find those people that know what they're doing and you can just trust them and know that they're going to take care of it for you. Yeah. Building that winning team is so vital. And, yeah. and knowing like the, the fact that you guys started and you're like, okay, these are the types of people that we need to fill all of these gaps and to put this puzzle piece together is just so incredible. One thing I wanted to touch on too was, um, because obviously I follow you guys on social media and I got to see, um, all about SEMA help us walk through like prepping for a conference and actually taking that leap of a major conference. Cause you guys have, you know, you've got your branded t-shirts on, you have this big booth, you're across from Ford. Like, what was that like? Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm laughing. (laughs) It was, it was really interesting. So Michael has, has a ton of trade show experience from a marketing career. Okay. Um, and is not a giant fan of planning and prepping for them. <laughs> so, um, and I, I'm not like the world's best event planner. I don't like love that. I can't imagine being a wedding planner or an event planner. It just sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I, you know, I remember him saying like months and months ago before we even applied for Launchpad and we, I mean, we were just thinking we should go to SEMA. That seems like the right place to go. Mm-hmm. And Michael was telling me, oh, I mean, it's going to like, it's going to be 50 grand minimum. And I'm like, you're crazy. Trade shows do not cost that much. And like, there's no way we would need to spend that kind of money. And then, and it's not unique to SEMA. It's just trade shows. Right. And I just had no idea. And I was blissfully unaware (laughs) of what trade shows entailed. And I started looking at like all the exhibitor stuff and like looking through, like you have to have carpet and you have to have this and I was like, Oh my gosh, he's right. It's going to be a huge investment, not just money, but the time I am so impressed with anybody who who actually does trade show prep and implementation as a career because it's got to be intense and you have to be really good at it. So, um, yeah, I mean, we we did the best we could with what we have. And, you know, again, we're kind of like a bootstrap startup. So it's not like we have just huge investments to pull from and can, you know, hire professional graphics teams to prep for us and people to do it for us. But it's kind of sweat equity. It's kind of like doing a, a house, like a remodel. <laughs> you know, we just kind of did our own thing and tried to just put the work into it. And I think it looks good. I think it's going well. <laughs> Trade shows are so much more complicated, like to your point, than people really even realize because the trade shows have all of these requirements in regards to, to your point, the carpet and the flooring. And yeah. um, when you ship stuff, like people don't account for the fact that if they're not physically driving the items out there, that there's all of these 
obviously fees with shipping is really expensive. And then we've got logistic issues um, (laughs) on top of that with with how shipping's going right now. That's a nightmare. We won't go into that. But no, that's a different topic. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it, it is. There's so many of these like little components and things that people don't realize. And then on top of that, it's like, okay, unless you're getting sponsored in or you win you you win a spot in there yeah. like it it gets expensive it does well and even so we were extraordinarily lucky because our booth was a was a prize of being a launchpad semifinalist so we didn't have to worry about that but it still was a ton of prep just to decide how are we going to set up our booth what are we going to have with us how who are we going to have attend with us you know, what are we going to, how are we going to make the most use of our time and make sure that we're getting the best return on investment for our time and money. And I think what really helped us as a team was having a conversation and being really clear about what we wanted to get out of this week, because we knew we're not, we're not going to be able to do everything. We're just not there yet. We don't have the resources yet to like really do this show the way we know we would if we had millions of dollars. Um, but we all just got really clear, like, we wanted exposure and we wanted to get feedback. And we that that's really what we decided we were going to focus on this week. And just being really clear on that made it easier to prioritize things and like pick out the things that we can't go without versus the things that, yep, that's not going to support those two goals. Let's just leave it for next year. So that helped a lot. So I would suggest doing that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, setting those goals and the priorities is like number one. And I see it so often where it's just like we want these 50 things out of this and 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 then they get lost in everything and then nothing really ends up happening. Yeah. So keeping those goals to two is incredible. Yeah. Um, did You guys drove out? We did. We did. We have so we have a Ford F-150. And we knew that we needed to actually use the tailgate of our F-150 because that's what's on our booth right now is the tail hand attached to our tailgate. Our poor truck is sitting outside with no tailgate. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we drove out here like packed to the gills with all of our stuff and all of our booth goodies and (laughs) tablecloths and all sorts of stuff. That's a way to do it because I don't, um, I don't know, I'm I'm sure quite a few people that have done conferences events too have potentially experienced things not arriving on time so being able to drive out I know it's like a nightmare for a lot of people even thinking about driving because you drove from Colorado yeah from Denver it was like 11 and a half hours it wasn't terrible but it's still far it's a long drive (laughs) it's still like we'd prefer to fly and ship but Yeah. yeah so these ship things and then and then it gets lost and then there's so many people that we hear about that are like okay, we need to pull things together last minute. We need to go have these things printed and we need to go buy some stuff from Ikea and we've got to go to, you know, Target or whatever. And they're like trying to pull this last minute because they don't like physically have them have the stuff with them. So that's yeah. that's amazing that you were, you know, that it worked <laughs> out in a way too because you don't have to worry about all of that chaos chaos with uh, shipping and yes. potential yeah. problems and headaches <laughs> and stuff that come into play too. Yeah, I will... We'll be honest, we still had a couple of packages that we were waiting for anxiously at the front desk at 8 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Oh, and, no. <laughs> like, they arrived. And, oh, good. But I, you know what's so funny about it? We were talking about it is that, you, you know, you're kind of exhausted before the show even starts. Because yes. you're doing all the setup and all of this mental and emotional, like, angst around making sure everything's perfect. And so it is. It's it's tiring. So, I, I mean, any advice now lesson learned is just 
get plenty of sleep, know that it's not going to go the way you expect and it's going to be just fine either way. <laughs> yeah, everything works out. I, I was listening to, um, it was just a YouTube video, like replay of Elon Musk talking about hiring and firing people. Okay. And, and the way that I'm relating this is he talked about like in business, you really have to take risk. And if you're not willing to take these risks, then you're not going to be successful, really. Yeah. And and even though you can't directly relate that to a risk, what what he shared after that was the fact that when you're a risk taker, nothing is ever going to be perfect and it's not going to work out every single time. But at least you did it and you took that leap and like you're there and you learn from it or you're there and it's not perfect. But guess what? You're here, right? Yeah, totally. I can give you a perfect example is that um, so originally we had the tail hand set up where it's a black platform and we have four T-tracks spaced throughout the product. And the T-tracks were going to be tail hand green, which is kind of a lime green that's super hard to not notice. <laughs> and that's been the plan all along that we wanted the platform to be branded through our colors. Well, our manufacturer ran into a delay with the paint, mm. so they weren't able to do it green. So the whole platform is black except for right behind our logo in the front of it is green. Well, lo and behold, everybody loves the black. Like everybody on the team loves the black. All the feedback we've received is the black is the way to go. And, you know, it's just, it was like a snafu and like, oh, bummer that that didn't work out, but it ended up being an amazing turn of events. So I don't think we'll go back. So you just, I, yeah, you have to just know that if things don't go to plan, it might turn out even better than you ever expected. Yeah. And maybe in this weird way, it was really meant to be like that too. I and I so. think that a lot of people struggle with that really. Like mm -hmm. they would have, no, we're keeping it green no matter what, like they get mad, we're going to a different manufacturer whatever. <laughs> and then they have all of these problems later down the road and they're like, I don't know, why do I have all these problems? They didn't listen to yeah. almost like, I don't know, higher power or whatever you believe in, but yeah. it, you know, it worked out and that's, that's amazing. I um I would love to dive into how it works and like all the components that come into play. If you could talk about it for anybody that yeah. hasn't heard of it yet. Yeah, absolutely. And you can always check it out at tailhound.com if you want to look at it. So so it's basically um, the installation's super easy. It's a frame that you install on your tailgate. So it's it's just a rectangular frame that's super lightweight and has a lot of different holes so you can mount it where it makes sense in your tailgate. Um, and then the tail hand platform just slips right on top of it and bolts to that frame. So it is not moving. If anything is going to move when you're working on it, it's the truck itself. The whole truck is going to move because that thing is on there. Um, and like I said, it has um, just standard T-Tracks. So for people that might have tools that they're already using that have T-Track um, um, like attachments on them, they can use what they already have on it. It has standard size dog holes. So for woodworkers and welders, they're familiar with that dog hole concept. Um, so you can leverage everything you already have. But then we also have a whole set of accessories that make it even easier for you to work with unwieldy materials and like heavy power equipment, like a miter saw. You can actually clamp right onto the tail hand so that you can safely be cutting lumber off the tailgate without somebody having to hold it or feeling afraid that it's going to slide around. So it's, it's so awesome because, uh, you know, even a, a limited set of accessories that you decide to invest in is going to just offer you the flexibility to do so much from your tailgate that you're already doing 
just not super efficiently and probably not very safely. I mm-hmm. I don't think we're out 15 minutes every day driving around and we run into people and we see people working from their trucks in their driveways or out, you know, at a fence line and they're doing it in a way that's like, oh, oh, that's going to be an accident like in five minutes. So um, it really just offers you a way to do more efficiently and safely, which People are not going to stop working from their trucks. Yeah. Now they can do it without being afraid that they're going to take off their leg with a chainsaw. And you guys have two sizes, right? We do. Yeah. So we have a full size and a midsize. And with the frame being so flexible in terms of where you can put it, really those two sizes are going to fit almost every full size and midsize pickup truck. So at this point, we don't really have to be specific to your vehicle. It's going to fit. You can find the exact perfect spot that's going to go right on your tailgate. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Every truck, every worker needs one of those. Like my mom's long-term boyfriend, they might as well be married right now. Um, (laughs) He owns a construction company. And so he has his big ginormous truck. Forgive me for not knowing um, what kind, but he has this ginormous truck. And then he has this trailer that he like keeps all of a lot of his equipment and everything in that'll drag behind it. And the second I saw this product, I was like, oh my gosh, Tom needs this. Like this is going to be his Christmas present. Like, okay. I know so many people that have very similar backgrounds or they just really like, they're just handy, right? right. They, they don't own a business because he owns a construction company, but they don't own a business and they're just handy. And yeah, they, there's occasions where you just need that, you know? Exactly. My brother is that exact person. So he like, he doesn't do anything from his truck for business, but he is just like the total weekend warrior. He loves doing projects around his house. He loves working on his deck and planting gardens and hauling stuff and You know, I mean, so he doesn't need it for his job, but he does enough stuff around the house that it it totally solves problems for him, too. That's incredible. Yeah, Yeah, I I love it. I'm like, I'm not I don't have a truck and I and I don't work on my hands, but I know so many people that do. And I cringe when not that Tom does this, but other people that I've seen, I'm like, okay, you've got a saw like on the ground. And (laughs) I know. know. Well, it's so funny. I came across. um a picture of this guy who's a welder and he does incredible like custom gate welding um, for like residences and stuff. Oh, cool. And yeah, it, it's like amazing. He's doing this incredible artistic welding work on an overturned trash can. Oh my You know, gosh, like, so I mean, joking. he's like all of his tools are sitting in the pickup truck and like right next to it, he's working on something like on this trash can that's overturned. And I'm like, this guy needs a table and <laughs> let's send it to him. And they're, I mean, they are affordable in my mind. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think that we, we recognize how much value people are going to get out of them. And because we also know what's in our little brains that we're like feverishly planning and all of the additional accessories that are already in research and development on our team. We know even if people buy it right now, as is with the accessories that come with it, there's so much more coming down the line that they're just going to extend the value of it like so quickly. That's so smart. Yeah. I love that. It's just going to get better and better. (laughs) And what's your plans? Because that's one of the, one of the other things that we really like to dive into is like, what's your, what's your dream for the brand? Where do you see it in five or 10 years? Do you want to keep it? Do you want to get acquired? Do you want, yeah, tell me, tell me. That's, that's such a, that's such a great question. And Michael and I talk about this all the time, you know, cause I mean, we're obviously in it right now and the now is a big deal, but 
we have so many aspirations for what this brand can be and what it can do. Um, so I mentioned that we have property in northern Wisconsin. Um, we really, really have some strong desires to just give back to the community. That's So the town that we're closest to is just an old paper mill town that, like so many other towns across the country, is just not thriving because it's, it's a mill town, and that's just not the kind of country that we live in for the most part anymore. Yeah. So, you know, people find, like, they have to leave because they need to find better jobs. So they're moving out of small towns into larger cities when they really want to be in those small towns in that rural area because it's gorgeous, it's where their family is, and they can't do it anymore. So we would really love to find some way for Tailhand to just offer some growth for that small town or that area. Um, so we think about that a lot and how can we how can we offer some jobs, some really like quality jobs at a company that has their back and values who they are and kind of gives them an opportunity to stay in those small towns. Um, it's one of the reasons why we partnered with a manufacturer in central Wisconsin too, because they had that same, it, it's a second generation family company. They totally have the same values that we do in terms of giving back to the community and doing a lot of good with what you are blessed with. So we just, we feel the same way. Um, so I, I don't know. We have we have some big dreams for it. Um, I guess we'll just see where it goes. Hey. Yeah, that's so exciting. I love I and I feel like um, although unintentional, the brands that have that goal of giving back and actually making a difference in the world tend to be the ones that end up being really successful. Yeah. Um, and I, and I love to hear that and see that, that you guys are, you know, us based, you're looking to grow and give jobs here and have products made here, which is incredible. Um, and also helps with making sure that it doesn't get copied because yeah. so many like the, the, um, the brand that I helped do the launch on Kickstarter made the mistake of having it manufactured in China at first. Right. And guess what happened? Ex yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. And you know what? There's so many other companies and countries that have more resources than we do at the moment and could push something like this out super fast, faster than we could, which is why right from the start we knew that it wasn't just a product but it really was a brand and we want people to relate to and really love this brand and see themselves in it and just relate to it. So I think that's the only reason we don't lose a lot of sleep over somebody else taking this idea because we know that it's more than just the product. It really is the tail hand brand that people are going to buy into and that they relate to. And you guys did an incredible job again, like I touched on it already early with building that brand. And unfortunately, there's a lot of talk on on social media from marketers and I don't know if you've heard it, but you may have that really push. You don't need a good name. You don't need this. You don't need that. You just need a launch. And I'm like, that's terrible. Like, that's the worst advice I think anybody could ever give <laughs> because because so. it's so easy to duplicate something and and people don't long term invest. Like, sure, that might work with, um, you know, just this quick sale of something from like Alibaba, but that's never going to work for a true brand that has a goal of getting acquired one day or a goal of building up their city and giving back to the community and like actually having a future. Right. Um, so you guys really, truly from, at least from what I've seen and from what I've heard today have really followed the steps 
and built your winning team and and did all of these processes in the right way to where you have this, you have this um, foundation for an incredible future. Absolutely. And I I think like somewhere our creative director, Alec, was having a stroke hearing (laughs) you say that that's like the advice that people are giving that you don't need a brand (sighs) and you don't need this. And um, yeah, I, it's, you know what, I can remember back to the very first like four or five months that we had brought the team together and our creative director like kind of presented his brand research and what he had envisioned and what he was recommending that we do to the team. And it was the first of many times where it's like, oh, I just got chills. Like this is this is a real thing. And it's actually capturing what we felt when we came up with the idea and there's so much more to the brand than just colors and logos, right? I mean, it is, it's the feeling that you get when you use the product and it's like the aspiration that you feel when you see the images on the website that, oh my gosh, that's me. Like, that's totally me. I want to be that person like working off my tailgate like that. And yeah, I'm just, oh, that makes me kind of sad. I right? totally disagree. Don't follow that advice. No, you need a no, brand. Yes. <laughs> you need a brand and you need a winning team. You, you do. can't do it all on your own. Totally. And you really do need to to build that brand. And to your point, like those pictures on the website, even though I'm not a handy person like at all, um, I'm like, oh, wow, that would be incredible to have a cabin house and oh. to be able to, you know, yeah, have geez. future husband pull back the tailgate work, you know, like that yeah. you, you do you when you do have that incredible content, people envision themselves in those situations. And that sells the product in and of itself versus like really having to focus on the product. And you guys, your your team um, and, and you did an incredible job at this really great um, ratio of real life pictures and then still having the product photos that highlights how it works and, yeah. and what's included and everything else. So thank you. that, that all comes into play with conversions. And I feel like that advice, terrible advice, the terrible advice <laughs> of, um, not needing to build a brand and, and to invest in a, a great website and high quality production photos and everything else is like really bad yeah. advice. And I feel like they just want to quickly capture anybody that they can. Cause they're like, Oh, don't worry about that. Like, we'll just do this. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's so interesting is I, we, I remember us sitting with our photography team who are incredible and they have an incredible brand themselves. And just looking through a couple of other brands out there, like catalogs, and we were just talking about how inspired we were by their brand and like this this aspirational branding that they've done. So I think a piece of advice that I've realized is actually go out and find other brands that you have that feeling towards and like study what they do and like pick apart what it is that they're doing that does make you feel connected to them because that's how I use that. Um, you might already, Michael might already <laughs> think about this because he's a marketing guy yeah. and it just naturally comes to you, but um, it hadn't dawned on me to do that and just find those brands that I really love and pick apart what is what about their branding I really res- respond to, I suppose. Yeah, that's great advice. It's, it's something that we teach um, too, surprisingly enough, is it's like, okay, you're going to build a website, go find five websites that speak to you that you really love and write down what you love about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll give some creative direction on 
what you want out of this. And the same goes for photography, um, you know, designing your logo, figuring out social media, looking at comp- um, the competitors. When we do marketing strategies, we're like, okay, who are the top five competitors? What are they doing on social media? What are they doing right on social media? What are they doing wrong on, on social media? How can we kind of get some ideas and yeah. um, get inspired by it? So that's amazing that you kind of just inadvertently <laughs> I did. <laughs> Need to do that. And it's like the perfect thing to do. It, yeah, it was serendipitous, I guess. It was the end of a long day and it just clicked. I love that. So um, there's a couple of things that I want to dive into before we close out today. One being, again, kind of going back to your MBA in healthcare and how it relates to everything that you're doing now, you have a great background and education. And so what are some things that really helped you with this? Because I feel like a lot of people are really scared to um, take that leap because they feel like it won't relate. So I feel like you sharing a little bit will help them like really realize that it does kind of come together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Because like I said, I mean, Healthcare. I, I work in healthcare regulation, like regulatory compliance. There's like no intersect between that and manufacturing truck accessories. But um, I think you just have to be insightful enough and like really pick apart what strengths you have and whatever the, the career that you're in, if it's different than what you're wanting to move towards, there are strengths that you've developed that are absolutely going to play into that new entrepreneurial business that you want to start. So yeah, I don't have any of that experience with developing a product or manufacturing or automotive accessories, but I'm really, really good at building relationships quickly. And that's really important when you are at a trade show and meeting a lot of people and when you're working with manufacturers and you're really having to build solid relationships. And um, I do a lot of just project management and keeping things on task and moving people ahead and keeping people kind of all on the same page. That's part of the job that I do now in healthcare, but oh my gosh, is that important for us as a startup to have somebody kind of keeping the line item tasks moving? Because it really, it's easy to get too strategic and philosophical and not get the actual nitty gritty stuff done. So um, I, I think that's all I did was just really thought a lot about what I brought to the table that we could use and that might fill in gaps that the rest of the team didn't have. So, I mean, you absolutely have value and skills that you can bring to whatever business you want to start and whatever venture you want to pursue. It doesn't have to line up perfectly. I love that bit of advice. And I think that's hopefully some of our listeners hearing that will really realize that they don't have to hold on and that they can, if they have an idea or something, that they can attribute some of the things that they've learned over time to what they're doing now and to be able to go, okay, these are the things I'm really, really good at. These are the things we need help with. Yeah. It's yeah. so incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I, you do, you have to dig into yourself. I mean, like, it just kind of does require that you're, you're, you know, giving yourself that amount of thought and really getting clear on it with yourself. So I think it saves you some hassle. I love that. And one of the questions we always ask um, on our show is what's one thing you wish you knew before you started? What's one one thing that, you know, our listeners can kind of learn from something that a mistake that they might be able to not uh, make or anything like that? Yeah. So I think 
the one thing that I wish I had known or had not pushed down for so long was that you do not have to be a certain type of leader. Like there's not one right way to do it. So you don't have to try and conform to fit into what you might see other people being. I am not like a cutthroat, like no nonsense, like, you know, hold them to the fire kind of leader at all. That's not me. Um, so I think the sooner you just decide it's okay to be you and there's a lot of different white, right ways to do it. And that's fine. You don't have to be somebody that you're not. Um, I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me. I think when I started out in my career, I tried to fit into this mold of what I thought a leader should be or, you know, or even with Tailhand, what I thought an entrepreneur should be like and how you should behave and how, what you should and shouldn't say. And there's really not a way to do it. So just be who you are and I don't know, just act with integrity and you're good. <laughs> I love that bit of, of, of advice. I think that's um, something that people really need to hear a lot more and we haven't heard it yet. So oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, and it's something I know a lot of people struggle with for sure. Yeah, it's hard. I think, you know, you see on social media and like there are influencers and people that you follow in leadership and you aspire to be like that. And I think that's fine. I don't think there's any issue with aspiring to be a better version of yourself or to develop skills that you appreciate in other people. But, you know, I just, you can be who you are too and still, and still um, expand those skills. So. Perfect. So um, let's give you a moment to leave our listeners with anything you'd like to leave them with. You can talk about um, where to find you on social media, yeah. um, your pre-order information, and anything Absolutely. else. And we'll close out. Yeah, well, I, everybody can find us at tailhand.com. So it's easy to go to the website, check out the pre-production sale. It's not going to be around forever. So if you want to get in on like really, really good discounts while we're still just trying to get some feedback and get some early adopters, um, it's a great time to do it. Uh, we're on social media. We're on just about every platform with Tailhand USA. So it's super easy to find us. We have an amazing team who is super active. So we love to engage with people. Um, we are always expanding the ideas that we have for the product. So if people have great ideas that they're not seeing yet and they think this would be a really awesome accessory, like let us know. I, we want to build the stuff that people want. So if you tell us, we're going to do everything we can to deliver on that. Perfect. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming in today, stepping yeah. away from SEMA. Um, we've got Michael here in the background. He's been so kind. <laughs> um, so thank you too for, for coming. And I'm so excited to see where SEMA leaves you guys, um, the opportunities that SEMA brings while you're here. So I can't wait to follow along. Um, I'm so excited. And again, it was such an honor to sit down with you today. Thank oh, you. Uh, pleasure. Honor was all mine. Thank you so much, Ashley.